What's up, guys? What is going on? So anyway, this this is a new way of doing things. Uh, I'm going to jump right in it because it's been like, I don't know, it's been, I think, four weeks since I did my last podcast or blog post. I'm feeling really, really guilty about that because I like to be able to do things every week. And I figured I would do things differently now um, since, you know, it's a new chapter, it's a new country, it's a new continent, it's like new adventures and everything's going on. So I figured that uh, now since I start doing these podcasts and I want to continue to do these podcasts and I want to kind of like chronicle and journey what's happening uh, here 8,000 miles away from Silicon Valley, um, that I would also start doing these on Facebook Live. So I realized that I was recording a lot of these with a with a video camera. And it was kind of a pain because then I would have to take all the video camera stuff and put it into YouTube. And that's just another channel that I need to manage. Uh, and I don't have enough time to manage everything. So I figured, well, I'll just use Facebook and go with that. Um, so, yeah, so this is my first broadcast and podcast. Ooh, you got to like that. Broadcast and podcast. Pretty cool. My first broadcast and podcast from Santiago, Chile. Yeah, believe it or not, I am here in Santiago, Chile. Um in my apartment overlooking the city and the Cordilleras, well, the Andes Mountains. Uh, it's kind of a cloudy day today, and it's been raining, so I can't really see the mountains all too well. But on a clear day, it's pretty cool because I can actually see all the Andes Mountains in front of me. And amazingly enough, they are still covered with snow, even though we're in spring now, which is pretty cool. So I did actually uh, pull a fast one and cheat um, the winter weather this year by moving from Silicon Valley at the end of the summer uh, to Chile at the end of winter. So, but more importantly, um, I wanted to use this podcast and this broadcast really to talk about why I ended up leaving the Valley. Um, because, uh, it's, it's something that kind of was not an easy decision, particularly given that I'd been in the Valley for almost 10 years. So the purpose of the broadcast and the podcast today is really to talk about that. It's to talk about, you know, my decision to kind of like leave a place that I knew well and uh, move away from Silicon Valley where I'd spent the last 10 years working and, you know, move to, um, you know, what some people would consider kind of the ass end of the planet, right? I mean, it doesn't get much farther than this unless you move to Australia, which, hey, yeah, guess what? It's farther. So where did this all start? Like, how did I actually get here? How did we get here, man? Well, we got here uh, at the end of June of this year. My uh, my ex-wife kind of like received a notice from her landlords that like would inevitably change our lives forever and lead us here, which was basically that, you know, her, her landlord was putting her house on the market and uh, she was going to have to vacate the premise, you know, in the next 60 days. And, you know, to kind of give some context, especially for people who are watching this or listening to this and, you know, are not familiar with the Valley, um, you know, her, her house was like a, you know, I think roughly 1200 square foot home in Menlo Park, which is, you know, re relatively nice area to live in Silicon Valley and, you know, had been sold back in 2015. That house had been on the market for like one and a half million dollars, even though it's like really, you know, 1200 square feet is it's not a palace. Right. It's not a mansion, just to be fair. And it was now being put on the on, on the market for like, you know, uh, an insane kind of draw dropping 2.4 million. Right. So that that's kind of what is what is that's a small microcosm of what's happening to the housing market in Silicon Valley in general, right? Is like you know it continues to be great for people who own houses, and for the rest of it, it's kind of like eh, not so cool, right? Not really cool if you're renting and paying like three and a half thousand dollars a month for a small twelve hundred foot home. So really, kind of you know once she got the notice that we were going to have to move again, then of course you know, this perennial decision of should we stay in Silicon Valley? Should we move? 
um, somewhere else, either out of state or, or in, in her case, move back to her home country, that kind of perennial question came back to haunt us yet again, right? And the reality is kind of like, for those of you guys who don't know or who haven't read my, my posts or my podcasts, you know, we have uh, two little kids. I have an 11-year-old little boy and a seven-year-old little girl. And I'd been living in an apartment ever since my ex-wife and I split three years ago. Um, I'd been living in an apartment nearby in Redwood City, which was another like three and a half thousand dollars a month for an apartment with that was smaller than my wife's home. I think my apartment was something like 980 square feet. So between the two of us, we were paying, yeah, get this, $7,000 a month in rent. Nice, right? Seven grand in rent. So, you know, obviously when you get to that point where you're like, you're told yet again that you have to move and you're scrambling to find options. And the reality is that the housing market in Silicon Valley for rentals kind of sucks, to be perfectly fair. There's just not a lot, even though they've been building like crazy. Uh, you know, you ask yourself the question, like, well, what am I doing? What, what, what am I still doing in Silicon Valley? Like, why, why stay when the cost of living is so high? And, you know, on top of that, the reality is, you know, let's face it. It's not exactly a low pressure, relaxed kind of place to live. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. You have great quality of life. You have good weather. You have the mountains and the sea. Um, and obviously, if you work in tech, it's great because there's a lot of intellectual stimulation. Um, but it is a very difficult place to live because there's so much competition and it's so high pressure. So, you know, for for my ex, really, who is originally from Chile, uh, I think anybody who is not from the United States will be able to empathize with this. You know, when you're in a situation where all of a sudden you've been living in a place which is very difficult to live, it's very expensive, it's stressful, you don't have a lot of help and your family is back home. You know, when you go through a situation where all of a sudden you're being told, well, you know, you have to move again um, and you potentially have to pay even more rent and you have to go through all the hassles that is putting your stuff in boxes, potentially moving your kids from schools, all that fun stuff. You know, she, like anybody else, asks herself the question, well, do I really want to stay? And, you know, in all fairness to her, she'd been living outside of her country for 18 plus years. Her all her best friends were back in Chile. Her family is back in Chile. Uh, her business is, is here in Chile. And of course, you know, the big, the big point as well is that, you know, the reality is that you can live here and I live here now, right. Which is pretty crazy because, you know, 30 days ago I was on the other side of the world. Um, you can live here for a third of the price of what it costs to live in the Valley, a third, right. It is much cheaper. So for her, it was kind of like a no brainer, right. But the reality is for me, it was much more difficult. Like the truth is that, you know, I, I had lived in Chile. I have lived here before, but I hadn't lived here in 20 years, right? I'd lived here from 1996 to 1999 when I was a junior brand marketer, uh, brand marketing manager working for Pepsi. And that was, you know, I was single. It's a different phase of my life. I didn't have any kids. Um, it was good. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I'd, I'd made a lot of friends and uh, I'd met a lot of people and really enjoyed living here. But the reality is I hadn't lived here in 20 years. So I'm all of a sudden in a situation where, hell, the reality is I'm 46 years old. I'm contemplating moving to a foreign country 8,000 miles away. I don't have any network here. I don't have a job waiting for me when I get here. Of course, you know, Chile, I mean, is a foreign country. People speak Spanish here. Fortunately for me, I happen to hablar español, you know, so I'm good on that front. I mean, I, I've spoken Spanish since I was 10, so that's not too much of an issue. But, you know, there are other factors at play. Like the reality is I was going to have to give up um, 
well, partially give up on a new business that I've been building. You know, as, as, as a lot of you guys know, I've been working to develop my, my executive coaching business, uh, career coaching business in, in the Valley for the past, you know, year plus uh, and started to make some traction there. And, you know, I would have to give up my friends and I'd have to give up all the network of people that, that I've known and the relationships I've built, you know, working across several different startups and working at Google for the past nine years. So, you know, for anybody in that situation, you know, that kind of a decision is pretty agonizing, right? It's, it's, it's pretty difficult. And um, it's not something that was a complete surprise to me. You know, my ex-wife and I had had a, a number of these conversations over the years, but I always, always steadfastly put my foot down and said, like, I'm not leaving the Valley. I'm staying here. I have all my friends here. I have my business here. I have my relationships here. I'm generally pretty happy here. Or was I, right? That was, you know, at the end of the day, the thing that I started to realize was, you know, when you wake up every morning more unhappy than happy, uh, for those of you who have read some of my posts and you remember, you know, my post where I talk about the happiness equation, right? When, whenever you have more of your life that is unhappy rather than happy, you know, you, 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 you need to start really seriously looking at your life and thinking about where you're going and uh, whether that's sustainable. And for me, I had kind of like heard myself talk about this more and more as months went by the last year, just complaining more and more about, you know, the freaking cost of living, the traffic, the insane amount of pressure, the, you know, competition and the whole point of being in the valley. Right. And I thought about it so often that it's like it ended up like you feel trapped in a bad marriage almost, you know, you, you, you. I could rationalize where I moved to Silicon Valley nine years ago. I could rationalize why I worked in startups. I could rationalize why I joined Google. I could rationalize starting my own company and that not working out. I could rationalize draining a lot of my savings, you know, trying to make things work. The long hours and the stress and some of the unhappiness and, you know, the endless comparisons of like, you know, comparing yourself to the tech titans who live in the Valley. Right. And I could even rationalize, you know, my, um, my marriage going to shit, you know, three years ago, um, to some extent you can rationalize that, although that one was probably a tougher pill to swallow. But, you know, I mean, when my, when my ex kind of like said, well, look, I really want to move home. Um, and on top of that, my children, uh, lived with her. That was where, you know, things started to really dawn on me that I probably was crossing the line there. Right. And you guys have heard me talk about, the importance of values on some of my podcasts and some of my other posts. I talk about this quite a bit. Um, I just couldn't rationalize anymore. I couldn't even think about the idea of not seeing my, my two little kids every week. Right. I mean, I see them every week, you know, a couple of times a week, every other week, they live with me for the weekend, which is great. And, you know, they're like any kids. I mean, for those of you watching and listening who have kids, I mean, you'll be able to relate to this, right? I mean, kids are challenging, but they're also the most amazing thing that God gives to us, right? I mean, watching them grow and learn and develop and, you know, the the unconditional love, um, at least when they're, when they're small. I don't know when they become teens. I haven't gotten there yet. But, you know, the love and affection that I get from them, I, I just couldn't imagine myself all of a sudden being in a situation where, you know, they would move with their mom 8,000 miles away and I would stay in the valley trying to pursue whatever crazy dreams I've been trying to pursue, right? That was kind of the red line, I guess, for me. Um, and, you know, for me, kind of like one of the things that really helped me in this process was, you know, um, the year before when on March 6th, you know, I was I was let go from a startup that I was working at. 
uh, I made a huge decision, as I talked about in one of my previous posts as well. I made a huge decision, which was to hire a coach. And uh, and this isn't a post and, you know, this isn't a broadcast to talk about the virtues or, or the, the wonders of coaching, right? This is just kind of like narrating and sharing with you guys kind of like the process that I went through and, and how coaching helped me is when I when my world just freaking shattered and I found myself completely upside down and I had to think, where do I go from here? My coach really helped me figure out what was important. My, my coach really helped me kind of like be able to take a step back and look at things and be like, what really matters to me and what are my values, right? And I've spent a lot of time working on that and thinking about it and even writing them down. I have like a document on Google Drive where I talk about you know, like my purpose and my actual values and I list all that stuff down. And, you know, when I, when I was working with my coach, I was able to get some clarity on, on my values. And, and you know, I'll, I'll talk about those right here because I think that it's useful for those of you who have not actually gone through and written your values out, um, maybe this is helpful to understand how I wrote mine out and, and what they mean to me, right? So I have kind of like four core values. Um, and then I have a purpose statement. So my purpose statement, which some of you may know, is my purpose is to be the magnetic energy that inspires people to lead careers of meaning and impact, right? That's kind of like who, what I'm about and what I really want to achieve kind of like on, on this earth, right? It's to really help inspire folks like you who are watching this or listening to this podcast and think about, you know, how can you lead a life where you have a, a career that's more meaningful and more impactful and that really fills you with, with purpose, right? That's kind of my purpose is to help people get that realization. And then, of course, my values are kind of as follows. So I have four kind of core values, which my coach helped me kind of identify and then kind of write out, right? And the important thing is that these are not necessarily static, i.e., you know, they can change over time and you can adjust them. But for me, um, one of those values is what I call the good father, right? And, and the good father really is a value around um, a good father is a great coach, you know, is a great mentor, uh, is very present for his family, is kind of playful and curious and fun and highly engaged with those around him and with his children. And, you know, importantly as well, the good father is an optimist, right? I tend to be very much kind of a glass half full kind of person. And that's kind of like a virtue of being the good father, right? My second value is what I call the Mad Mork value. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean shit, but it's kind of like, I think, my coach and I came up for it because, as you guys know, my nickname is Mad Mork, and that's my brand and my Twitter handle and everything else. So what, what does that Mad Mork value mean to me? Well, that value means kind of like, you know, I'm independent. I am free thinking. I live and I make my own choices. I uh, have this innate drive to challenge myself and improve. I stand for fairness and justice. Um, I'm anti-Disney. You know, no, no, no knock on Disney, but there's a lot of things about the way they choose to develop content and entertainment sometimes that I find kind of a little bit disturbing, but anyway, that's subject for a different podcast. Um, I'm anti-establishment, you know, there's, there's no, there's no bullshit with me. There's no anchors. You know, I, I tend to kind of go against the grain, right? So that's kind of my mad morph value. My third value is what I call tranquility, which may seem completely non-intuitive to those of you guys watching me right now or listening to me because of the intensity and the energy level that I have. But you know, at the end of the day, my tranquility value is all around um, peace, simplicity, gratitude, um, back to basics, refuge, nature in the natural world, being healthy, um, deep connections with myself and my family, and really being in tune with what it is to be human, right? So that 
that tranquility is important for me because it serves as a way to balance this kind of like hyperkinetic form of being that I have, right? The level of energy that I have. And the last value I call the century ride, right? Again, it doesn't necessarily make sense. Nobody would call the century ride a value, but you know, for me, it has a deeper meaning. If you read the post that I that I um, that I wrote about motivation, and I have a podcast on this too, you know, there you'll understand the deeper meaning behind why it's called the century ride. But the century ride is all around striving to get better, to improve. It's about the quest that is life. Uh, it's around curiosity and and always looking to answer questions which you don't have the answers to. Um, and again, a, a commitment to improving, being bold and being fearless, right? So those are my kind of core, my my four core values, the good father, Mad Mork, tranquility in the century, right? Which my coach helped me identify uh, some time ago, right? And so when I kind of like step back into our story and I think about this journey that got me to Santiago, Chile, and how did I make that decision? Well, you know, I, you know, initially I did what a lot of people would do is, you know, I, I gathered a lot of information, right? I, I, I talked to a lot of people. I talked to my parents. I got advice from friends. Uh, I read stuff. I, I wrote a lot, you know, as you guys know from some of the posts and some of the stuff that I've written, I, I, I write every day, right? And, uh, and you know, it's, it's really therapeutic. It really kind of helps me organize my thoughts and uh, just get stuff out on paper, get stuff off my chest. It's actually funny because um, somebody, I think once, I think it was Tony Robbins or somebody wrote, once wrote that, um, keeping your own, own journal is like the world's cheapest therapist, right? You, you just, you get a lot of stuff off your chest. You kind of like talk to yourself and, um, and you talk to yourself aloud sometimes as you're writing and, you know, it just allows you to acknowledge those thoughts and those feelings and get them off your chest and not kind of like hold back. So I do, I do that every day. And so, you know, I wrote and I read and I talked to people and, you know, for weeks, I kind of like for a couple of weeks, I really agonized over this decision. But the truth is kind of that in terms of how I actually made the decision, that ended up being a lot more straightforward, right? Because when I stepped back for a second and I looked at my values, which I stack rank, right? I rank them from most important to least important. Um, the number one is the good father. Right. As I mentioned earlier, and that's all about mentoring and coaching and helping there and being others. But more importantly, being there for others means being there as a good father for my my children. Right. For my for my seven year old, my 11 year old. Right. And they are like the most important thing to me. So, you know, I could try and look at this from a million different angles as I thought about this. And I was like trying to think about all the different permutations of what this move could look like. And I thought to myself, well, you know, I could totally delude myself and I could say, well, I could make a ludicrous ass, you know, commute and go see them, you know, once every three months. And, or I could delude myself into thinking that I could be, you know, a great, a great dad, you know, nurturing my relationships with my children through FaceTime or WhatsApp. Um, yeah, that was like really going to happen, you know, especially how, given how, how, challenged I've been when with WhatsApp on voice. I don't know how many of you guys use that. I don't want to beat up WhatsApp on, on a public forum. That's not the point of this podcast, but the reality is, yeah, technology has kind of like helped bring us closer together, but at the same time, technology is not, you know, a nanny, right? Technology is not a replacement for me as a father being there personally for my kids, right? I, I could, I could think that wishfully maybe seeing them every three months or every six months and taking them on a cool vacation at Disneyland, Disneyland or something could be 
you know, could, could, uh, could make up for the, the fact that I just wasn't there in the day to day, right? Not, not there to pick them up when they fall down, not, not there to comfort them when they have a crappy day at school, not there to give them, um, you know, a good, uh, a hug, good night, you know, when they need one, just simply not there. Right. And so kind of like all of a sudden I was thinking to myself, I was so confused by this decision that I had actually gotten a hotel room on, uh, in Pacifica overlooking the sea to like, think about this. And I was like, seriously, like, what the hell am I thinking? Like, how can I even be contemplating not following them? Right. How could I even be having these thoughts of, Oh no, like I'll go see them every couple months and I'll stay here in Silicon Valley and I'll make it work and I'll get some, some, some more, some founders and people to work with me and help, you know, build this company that I want to do. I was like, I woke up and I was like, what the hell am I thinking? Right. And if I look at these values, I'm just like, forget all this crap, like forget about startups, forget about all this glory, forget about trying to start your own company, forget about the network or you know, the pipe dream that I've been living about building my, my, my company into some like success story, you know, for the last couple of years, it was all kind of becoming crystal clear to me that it was time to do the simple thing, which was the right thing, right? The right thing, which was the simple thing. It was, t- it was time for me to honor my value. And that was perfectly obvious for me after a lot of thinking and all of a sudden came crashing down, it was like, Oh my God, this is so obvious. Like, of course I have to do this. Um, and it's probably obvious for a, like a lot of normal people out there, right? A lot of people maybe who don't live in the Silicon Valley bubble that we live in and don't ride the freaking Google bus to work every day. Right. It's like, um, at some point you just think of what really matters, what really, really matters, what you really want to honor in yourself and what really is the most important thing in your life. And it was like, bam, end of story. Like, of course I'm going to move, right? Of course I'm going to go wherever I need to go to stay in touch with my, with my children. And it was really cool. I'll never forget, you know, when I made that decision, I went out for a long walk on the beach, you know, right outside my hotel. And I walked up, you know, these cliffs overlooking the sea, the Pacific. And it was kind of like a windy, cool day, a little bit like today, actually. It was like, overcast and gray and I was just like over you know I was looking out of the sea and I felt like so at peace and restful and calm about it all it was just all super clear to me um and I felt finally relieved at having made the decision and happy and excited about what's next right and um and look it doesn't mean that it was any easier over the next couple weeks because you know I talk about this as well in some of my other podcasts it's like making the tough decision sometimes feels like the hardest part, but it's really not right. It, it unleashes us. It breaks those, those chains, those, those bonds that we have and sets us free to do what we need to do. But in reality, then you get into the harsh part of execution, right? The harsh part of your reality of your situation. In my case, it was like, shit, you know, I'm 46 years old. I'm not 20. Like I was like the last time I went, you know, I'm moving to a foreign country. I don't know anyone. I don't have a job waiting for me. Um, There were a million questions about like how things were going to work out. And, you know, I spent the next couple of weeks starting to plan this and planning moves and selling my car and getting out of my apartment and transitioning. And I found myself, you know, nervous and anxious as hell. I mean, sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night thinking, how's this going to go? Like, what's What's my downside? Like, as I always say, right, what's my downside? And that's always the best way to look at it whenever you're making a big decision is to ultimately think about what's the worst that could happen, right? 
Um, but in the end, I don't think I ever really second guessed myself. I mean, even today, you know, sometimes I wake up and I'm here in a foreign country and I don't really know anybody. And every day it's kind of like the hustle of just reaching out and emails and coffees and lunches and dinners. And I was at, you know, having dinner at, at a guy's house last night, you know, who I just met for the first time. And it's like starting all that stuff all over again, man. It's like, feels so freaking tiring. You know, you're like, holy shit. It's like, I've done this stuff like 11 times before, right? Those of you guys who have read some of my stuff, you know that I've moved around a lot, right? I've lived in 11 different countries and done 32 different moves. And I'm thinking to myself, how many fucking times do I need to continue moving until I can just like stay somewhere and chill? And here I am doing it again, right? When, when I moved to Silicon Valley 10 years ago, I thought, this is it. I'm staying here. This is great. This place is awesome. And then, you know, things change, right? So anyway, I just... Um, I wanted to share this stuff with you because I know that a number of you out there, particularly those of you who live in Silicon Valley or New York or London and have high pressure jobs and you're on the treadmill and you wake up some mornings and you're driving into work and you sit in your car, maybe in the parking lot or you're on the bus on the way in or the train or whatever it is. And you're like, why am I doing this? Why do I continue to do this to myself? And deep down, you know, that something has to give, something has to change. And deep down, you know that more days often than not, you're waking up and you have this sinking feeling in your stomach that you're just not happy. And more days than not, you're ha unhappy versus happy, right? And um, and I guess that's that's why I'm doing this, this broadcast today because I wrote the post, but I know a hell of a lot of people don't read, right? No insult to anybody who's watching or listening to this. I don't blame you. I don't have a ton of time to read either. Uh, all my books now I listen to on Audible. So thank you, Audible, for that. But I know a bunch of people are facing this decision. And I know a bunch of people are thinking to themselves, why do I continue to do this? And so my message, I guess, to you in closing this uh, broadcast today would be the way that you solve for this problem is you look deep down and you ask yourself, What's my purpose? What are my values? And does staying in this current situation honor those values and honor that purpose? And if you realize that it doesn't and that it's really infringing on some of like your core, core values, like, I don't know, your health is screwed up or you're not seeing your loved ones or your marriage is falling apart or you never see your parents or whatever. And if you realize that those are core to you and that you are really living out of touch with your values then you have your answer. Like then you just have to make the decision of, okay, I'm living outside my values. I'm out of the boundaries of which uh, of the boundaries where I feel comfortable living. I know this is not the way I want to live my life. Then you need to make a call. You need to make the decision of, okay, I am willing to put up with that. And then you have to live with that and then acknowledge that your values are maybe not important to you as you thought, or you have to, reprioritize them or you have to say, okay, well, that means I need to make a decision to get out of the situation. I need to quit this job. I need to leave this person. I need to hire a trainer and get my life back in order. I need to quit smoking, quit drinking, quit gambling, whatever it is that you do that's taking you outside of these values in the same way that when I was able to sit down in Pacifica and look at my values on a piece of paper and realize what mattered, I was like, dude, this is freaking obvious. Like I can't continue this way. I can't even believe that I'm 
thinking about living this way away from my kids. Like that is not going to happen to me. Right. And then the decision becomes a lot easier. Then, of course, you have to live with the consequences. Right. Which is you need to put stuff in motion and you need to go with it. Um, and that is a separate broadcast. Right. I'll, uh, I'll talk more about that um, and actually talk to you guys about like, OK, well, how am I doing here? Eight thousand miles away. How's it working for me? And look, the reality is that there's good days and there's not so good days. Um, but there's a formula to the madness. So anyway, um, I hope this was useful. Like I said, greetings from Santiago, Chile. It's totally weird to have to do this broadcast and start off by saying live from Santiago as opposed to live from the Valley. But I hope this was useful to folks. Um, leave a comment if you're watching this on Facebook. Uh, hope you subscribe to the podcast as well. Make sure that you share the podcast, share this Facebook page, like the page, do whatever you want uh, on the page. Well, within reason, uh, if there's like special requests that you guys have of like, hey, things that... Um, that you'd like me to answer. Like if you're thinking about moving to a foreign country and you're like, how do you go about moving to a foreign country? Like, what do you do first? And how do you meet new people? And how do you find work and all that stuff? Um, happy to answer it. I've done it many times before. This is probably the craziest and hardest time that I've done it because like I'm literally arriving here parachuting in with no job whatsoever and trying to figure it out. But, um, but the good news is like, you know, there's always people willing to help. You just have to be able to, you know, put out your hand and reach and ask for help. But um, yeah, questions, comments, leave them in the comments. Um, subscribe to the podcast, like the page. Hope this was super helpful. I will catch up with you guys next week to give you an update of how things are going in Chile. And then I will talk about what is the Chile plan? Like, how am I going about getting settled in here? What kind of steps am I taking in terms of connecting with people socially, connecting with people for work, attending events? getting signed up to different groups and institutions that helped me kind of like find some balance in my life, finding a place to live. Um, and we'll talk much more about that stuff. So anyway, that's uh, me signing off from Santiago, Chile. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. I see that my man, Sachit, Sachit Kamat just joined. Dude, you're joining at the end. But anyway, uh, it's always cool to have people sign in. And I hope this was useful for people. I originally intended this thing to be about 25 minutes. And then I got carried away and it's like 30 minutes. But anyway, if you missed it, no worries. Uh, I think this thing does record. So you'll be able to look at the, um, the full version on your own time. And like I said, any questions or comments, make sure that you leave them for me and I'll answer them. And uh, subscribe to the podcast and everything else and all that good stuff. And I will catch you guys later next week, bro. All right. Take care. See you guys later, man. Bye.